Welcome to the Mama Bear Apologetics Podcast. A podcast where we teach you to roar like a mother. And by roar, we mean recognize the message, offer discernment, argue for a healthier approach, and reinforce these ideas with your kids. Unless you want to growl around your house. I mean, that's cool too. <laughs> You're like, check it. We keep it reels. <laughs> that's so bad. You're awesome. Mama Bear Apologetics is a listener-supported program, so if you like what we do, head on over to the Mama Bear Apologetics website and click support. It's time to rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. This might not affect your faith, but it might affect your children's. Welcome back, Mama and Papa Bears, to a very special Merry Christmas blog. If you can't tell by our amazing shirts and uh, our backgrounds, we are so excited to be ushering in this wonderful Christmas season. And can I just say it's much needed after this whole year, right? It is just amazing to celebrate. So we have some new faces with us. So if this is your first time listening in on a Mama Bear blog or watching a Mama Bear blog, I just want to say welcome. I am Amy Davison. I'm one of the podcast hosts and writers. And with me is Hi, I'm Lindsay Medenwald. I'm executive director of Mama Bear Apologetics. And I'm Robin Lopez. I'm an administrative assistant and the website administrator with Mama Bear. Um, I help out with uh, publishing the podcast and I also record the AABs and, and try to keep the website smoothly flowing. Oh my gosh. And Robin is so amazing. We, we love having her a part of the Mama Bear team. And we love that you're here because you've got some great insight into some of the big questions behind Christmas. And we're going to cover all sorts of amazing things. And actually, we have got a guide, which Lindsay, you helped put together. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this Christmas guide that we are going to have available to all our mamas and papas out there? So about a month ago, we were having a conversation in one of our meetings about all of these questions, these great questions that come in to the Mama Bear team about everything. You all ask us about everything. That's real. And we can't always tackle all the things that you ask us, but we consistently around the holidays get questions about all of the different aspects of celebrating Christmas. Mm -hmm. So this year we've decided that we wanted to create a Mama Bear's Guide to Christmas. And that has been released this week. And if you haven't seen it yet, we encourage you to go to our website and download that. This podcast is about that guide. We are going to be talking about some of the things that are in there and some of the things that we didn't have space for. Hmm. Um, but if you haven't downloaded it, please go and get a copy. Um, it's a free download. And we're excited about being able to offer that to you all. Um, one of the key questions that we get um, is... How do we talk to our kids about what we're celebrating? What is Christmas? What are we celebrating? And so what we're going to talk about at this very start of the podcast is how to instill truth in your children about the Christmas holiday. Who are we celebrating? That's pretty simple. We're celebrating Jesus. Um, but why? Why are we celebrating? It's not just another birthday to put on our calendar. Um, birthdays are exciting. And in our home, we do bake a cake for Jesus because <laughs> that's awesome. Any opportunity to have cake in our right? family. <laughs> but why? Why do we celebrate? Well, if Jesus had never been born, he could have never died for us. And, and that is the big picture story. God chose to send his only son so that he could live and then die so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be reunited with him in heaven. Um, and that is really big picture 
for our kids to understand. It's not just about presents and beautiful decorations and cookies and all of the things that happen around the holiday season. It's really about Jesus. And so I I think one of the key things we want to make sure that you understand when you're listening to this podcast is we're going to get into details. We're going to talk about historical facts and how you should address certain topics. And you need to know that if there are little ears, you might want to encourage them to not listen to this one. Um, That's right. The mama bears in this podcast. So um, maybe listen when you don't have your little ears around. Because we'll be tackling topics that maybe you want to talk with them about yourself, not have them hear from the Mama Bear team. Um, We'll be talking about St. Nicholas. Mm -hmm. We'll be talking about um, paganism. We'll be talking about all sorts of things that um, are more adult themed than little ears. So I would encourage you to take a moment and maybe get your kids out of the snoo (laughs) or listen to it later when they're not around. But one of the big questions we get besides what are we celebrating is, hey, we heard that Christmas is pagan. Should Christians Mm. even celebrate it? And so Robin decided that she was going to tackle that question. And she has learned a ton. And Robin, I would love for you to tell our mama bears what you know about paganism and Christmas. Okay, So this is one that I see pop up on my on my social media a whole lot. Should we be putting up up a Christmas tree? Well, actually, when you're celebrating the birth of Jesus, that's the birth of the Roman god Mithras. So the first thing, I I came across this really great article, um, video. I'm sorry, I am a visual learner. I really enjoy watching videos, especially because I can have it on while I'm doing something else. So mm. I came across this video by uh, on YouTube by Mike Winger. It's is Christmas pagan in defense of Christmas, mm. and what he you know a few of the things that he mentioned really um, stood out. So one of the things that people tend to say is, okay, well Christians were just trying to they came up with Christmas on December twenty fifth because they were trying to co opt other pagan holidays and celebrations that already existed. So they were trying to replace the winter solstice, or they were trying to um, have an alternative to Saturnalia. And there's something else called a Dies Natalis Sol Invicti, Sol Invictus, you might have heard of that. That's the one I hadn't actually heard of, but what really stood out to me was, okay, let's think about this. The winter solstice is either December 21st or 22nd. then Saturnalia was originally celebrated on December 17th, but then they extended mm. it with festivities until December 23rd. Now, I don't know about you, but I, what, what comes to mind is uh, some movie set in high school and someone's throwing a party and someone else is going to throw an alternative party <laughs> and people are torn between, you know, everyone else is at this other party. Okay, well, this is only going to work if the party's on the same day, if I throw the party on one day and then someone else has their party on the other day great we can go to both parties <laughs> so um they would have um if they were trying to replace these most likely would have put christmas day on december 21st or on december mm-hmm. 17th the beginning of it now with uh sol invictus um that is actually on the 25th now there it's it's some fourth century document is oh. the first mention of it and in the same document is also mentioned the 25th as the birth of Christ. So mm. it's, it's just that that's re- we don't really have much information about it. So which was celebrated first. So, but, but even that being a case, that doesn't really bother me 
because I'm finding it interesting to be able to talk to people about, but there's really other reasons why December 25th is calculated as the birth of Christ. Now, do we know for sure? No, we do not know for sure that mm. December 25th is the, is the birthday of Jesus or Christ's birth. Um, but what, there is a reason that the early church calculated that. Now, the very earliest calculations didn't have um, December 25th uh, as the birthday of Christ. They were very interested in figuring out this day. Um, but what they did was, okay, they, they took, looking at the Bible, they were able to determine that the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary um, to, in, to let her know she was going to be giving birth to the Savior around the end of March. The, they calculated that to be about March 25th. So hmm. they consider that, and some people call it the Annunciation. They consider that when Christ was conceived, the conception, and then nine months later would be his birth in December, approximately December 25th, that they decided to um, say it was the birth of Jesus. And there's also one interesting thing I want to mention that apparently there was an early Jewish tradition that um, prophets would die on the same day of their conception. So that's, hmm. uh, I think it's called integral huh. age. I was reading somewhere. Very interesting. That's interesting. So they, they were calculating like that from Passover to and, and his death to Christmas would be, uh, that would be nine months. So he would have been conceived around that time of March 25th. Pretty wow. Much. I had never heard that, Robin. <laughs> that, that is <laughs> fascinating. Yeah. No. And it's so funny you mentioned that because I had growing up and especially as a teen, those were the exact things that I was told is, oh, the Christians just did that to try and take over the pagan celebration of the solstice and that sort. They were just trying to integrate it. So that's really neat that you kind of tacked in those other things, especially about the dates. I hadn't heard that one. Yeah. Oh, I did forget to mention that uh, another big thing you'll hear is the birthday. Uh, it's, it's the actual, there are so many similarities between Jesus and Mithras. It's actually retelling Mithras or Horus or Dionysus. And uh, so, yeah, that's not, you, when you try to go back to the original ancient documents and find the, where the actual original writings talking about these mm -hmm. similarities, they just don't exist. There's apparently some modern um, sources and then they all, cite each other going back and forth so it's huh. something worth looking into uh there's the this uh, channel called lutheran satire and they have this really fun video that talks about horus ruins christmas so that's a fun one to watch if you enjoy satire <laughs> i love lutheran satire we have recommended them to our mama bears before and i definitely think that if you have not stumbled on their channel that you should take some time and check them out. They come out with some hard truths, but they make them so funny and so engaging and accessible. So definitely shout out to the Lutheran Satire team um, and, and go watch some of their videos. If you're looking for ways to explain very difficult topics to your kids, like the Trinity, for example, um, go for it. Well, and speaking of, of uh, Lutheran, Robin, you were saying you had kind of some interesting factoids about Christmas trees and Martin Luther. Oh, yes. Yeah. So this is the one that, well, I, I, I really enjoy putting my Christmas tree up and I enjoy the light. So it was um, something I wanted to be able to talk about with friends who were saying, well, we're not going to be putting that up because it's a, a pagan tradition. Mm. And what I had um, found, found out in there's, there's not the art tradition of putting up the Christmas tree it, that goes back to the in, in oral tradition of the story of Martin Luther in Germany walking home through the, uh, the through a pine forest one or was it for, a fir tree forest anyway is an evergreen forest and he saw the stars shining above the trees 
Mm. And it was just breathtaking. So he brought a tree into the house to use to explain to his children that uh, to remind them about Christ coming down from the heavens. And he put the candles lighting them on the tree as to represent the stars. And so I, and, and so that's what we, our, our tradition can really date back to, the, to this apparently. Uh, Germans were the first, you know, more recently who would bring the tree into the house specifically as a Christmas tree. And then when um, Prince Albert went, became part of the royal family in Great Britain, he brought fir trees over to the royal house um, for, and put them up there and, had, and they were decorated and they had uh, ornaments and presents underneath. Mm. And uh, this is also from Mike Winger's video. It was really interesting that I was, that I was watching. So that at that time, the newspapers would come and do drawings of the royal family in front of the Christmas tree. Wow. And so when these drawings would be shown in the newspaper one time, one time they did it in front of the Christmas tree and the people of uh, the British Empire saw the royal family doing that. And of course, what do they want to do? They want to go to the Christmas tree too, like the royal family. And uh, it also uh, spread over to to America that way. And then I guess with, with German immigrants, it would have come as well. So as far as the um, pagan roots of the Christmas tree, if, if others did, in fact, uh, a tree is, itself is not inherently pagan right. object. It was not created to be a pagan object. It was not invented by pagans to be a, a pagan object. Um, I, I guess, just let me take an aside here, because this is something I just wanted to clarify and look up. What does pagan even mean? And so when I was looking mm. this up, the first definition comes up as, as heathen, <laughs> which uh, someone uh, who does not acknowledge the God of the Bible, or someone from a polytheistic religion, uh, just someone who is not, it's not, it's their non-Christian tradition. Mm. So we're trying to, I think people are concerned with us having our Christian traditions and as Christians celebrating all these things. And then with non-Christian elements, I think that's the big concern. But uh, but with the tree, and, and one thing that was very interesting to me that's come up lately apparently is in P- Christians themselves use Jeremiah 10 verses two through four as a, as a, um, reference a biblical biblical proof as why we as christians should not have christmas trees because it mm. talks about going out in the forest and cutting down a tree and and setting it up and decorating it with gold and silver but it's only looking at verses two through four people and that people cite those and they don't usually look further to see the whole context of jeremiah 10 if you read the chapter you will it's clearly understood that this is referring to someone carving an idol out of the tree mm and decorating it with real gold and real sur- real silver and, um, and, and putting it up. So this is not, uh, this is something that's not uh, a verse that would be prohibiting Christmas trees. It's specifically referring to an idol being crafted from a tree. Two things oh. about what you just said, Robin. One, yes. context is everything. When you're yes. reading scripture, <clears throat> please look at the context of the verse. Um, sometimes people will intentionally take things out of context uh, to make scripture seem the to say something that it actually doesn't. We'll see atheists mm. use that. Well, the Bible says there is no God. Well, no, the Bible actually says the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And mm. if, you, if you take out that first part, then 
then yes, the Bible says there is no God, but that's not the context. So that's the one thing, one thing I took from that. The other is, I think we need to get the mama bear team together and have a portrait done in front of the Christmas tree. (laughs) (laughs) You should. (laughs) That would be awesome. Well, that's one thing that's so pretty about the Christmas tree too, is there's, there is a lot of symbolism in it. And I love that you pointed out, um, and Anselm references it and I forget if it's in his monologue or proslogging, but he talks about how the thing in and of itself isn't inherently evil or wrong and the, and a tree in and of itself. I love that you pointed that out. And I mean, there's so many things that when we look at the tree, that's why we have angels or stars at the top of the tree to point to the stars or the angels uh, singing the birth of Christ. I mean, there's so many opportunities for us to even point toward Christ, even within our decorations. And, and I love that. And one, one thing that uh, we always get asked each year comes back to Santa Claus. In fact, it was great. I had a conversation with one of the mama bears on our Facebook chat about this very thing. And I think it actually ended up coming out around uh, Halloween because it, it started with, okay, how do we talk about Halloween? And then it morphed into Christmas. And uh, it's great. She's a mama bear from Australia. So uh, hi, great, to, great <laughs> that you connected. It's awesome that we connect with these moms um, all around the world. But yeah, St. Nicholas, that's, that's a big, that's a tough one for a lot of moms uh, is okay. What do we, what do we do? Because he's everywhere. You go to the mall, you go to the store, the commercials on the TV, he's right there. What do you say to kids? And is it okay to actually talk about Santa or even have that tradition within the home and, you know, still be pointed to Christ or is there going to be that contention there? So we just want to point a little bit to that for our household. Um, full disclosure, I was raised in a, in a household that, you know, we did Santa. We left the cookies and milk by the tree uh, or by the, by the fireplace and everything. We've done that with our boys, but we've also pointed out the truth of it too, because they have ass and kids do. So when we look at St. Nicholas, there's been some references, which Robin, you actually kind of pointed a little bit to is there's uh, some sort of pagan reference in there. They kind of point toward Odin as maybe being this beginner of Santa Claus. Not really. I mean, he had this amazing beard, uh, but that's really kind of all the translation. Really, when you look back at it, there was a, a, um, a bishop of Myra, which is now in Turkey, uh, who was St. Nicholas. And so as the story goes, because again, the accounts of his life were oral trans, uh, trans or traditions that were passed down for several generations before they were actually documented and that sort. So according to tradition, St. Nicholas uh, was born of wealthy parents. He was born in uh, Patara Lycia, or is it Lycia? I'm never quite sure of the pronunciation of that one. Well, anyways, his parents um, ended up passing away. And so because he was wealthy and well cared for, he was well educated, he was brought up and he had just this kind giving nature. He actually loved giving little secret gifts, sort of tucking them away to where people would just be surprised. And I don't know, maybe open a drawer or something and see a gift. And they kind of knew all must have been St. Nicholas who was doing that. Well, one of the biggest traditions with St. Nicholas is that he actually helped rescue three daughters from destitution. Back then, if you had daughters, but you didn't have a dowry, there wasn't much hope for them to ever get married. So they were going to either have to be reduced to begging or prostitution or that sort. Nicholas was not having that. So what he would do is he would wait until night and then toss a little bag of money into the house. And he did that for three nights in a row, one for each daughter. So if in your stockings, when you guys were little, did you ever get those little bags of chocolate coins that were wrapped in gold? Okay. You probably, you probably didn't know. um, And your parents probably didn't know. That's actually a a reference to St. Nicholas because he would toss the money. There's even a tradition that when he threw it, it actually like fell into a stocking that was drying by the fire. So I don't know if that one's true, but it's it's just charming. (laughs) Um, 
And so eventually when the dad, you know, he noticed that these money was magically appearing. So he ended up waiting up one night and he caught St. Nicholas and St. Nicholas swore him not to tell, just don't tell anyone uh, what I'm doing. And so it's just, he, that's why he's the patron saint of children of the unmarried, even sailors. There's an, uh, a story about him helping out some sailors who are trapped in a storm. Well, one thing that I love and, and my boys, if you have boys in the household, they'll love this story is um, St. Nicholas. He was an attendee at the uh, Council of Nicaea. And as the legend goes, uh, Arius was there. If you've ever heard of Arianism, um, that's the belief that, that uh, Jesus wasn't co-eternal with God. He was actually created within time. So he was trying to say, oh, well, Jesus isn't co-eternal with God. And Nicholas was so outraged that he got up and decked the guy, knocked him out of his chair and ended up getting tossed in prison for a time because he punched a heretic. So uh, it's, it's hilarious. My boys find that story so funny. They love the fact that, that Santa isn't, you know, he's, and it's funny because when you look at the old paintings, he has the white beard, he has the red cloak, um, the traditional church painting. So it's so fun to see him, but then to know that Santa also did time and punched a guy is, is pretty hilarious to kids. So these are just some, some fun things that you can tell your kids that, okay, when we think of St. Nicholas, he was a, a Christian that actually existed. He was a bishop within the church. He was fervent for the gospel. He loved people and gave his wealth away to others. And that is where we kind of get this tradition of gift giving is through St. Nicholas. So when you're discussing that, point to some of these things with your kiddos that, you know, it's fun, they'll, they'll enjoy it. And uh, it's really neat just to have those little fun little factoids. So, and also neat, uh, so his death was uh, accounted for as December 6th. So if you've ever been in Germany or you've known anyone with German heritage that celebrates St. Nicholas Day, that is where that came from. So on uh, December 6th, what children in, in Germany or uh, in European countries would do is they would leave their little wooden shoes outside and typically they would go to uh, service. They would go to mass. And then when they come back, their shoe was filled with little candies and cookies and treats and fun things. I had a friend who had German parents and they would do this to where they would leave out their, their tennis shoe. And then it would have little goodies and stuff in there on December 6th. So again, that's pointing back to the Bishop where we get sort of this tradition of, of Santa Claus. So it's just neat stuff. So, so Amy, what should parents do about the whole Santa Claus thing then? Because a lot of times what will happen is, and we've heard parents say this to mm -hmm. us, is um, if I teach my kid that Santa Claus is real mm -hmm. and then later tell him he's not real, what about my discussions regarding Jesus? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Will my child then question whether or not what I told them about Jesus is reliable? How should they manage that conversation? Right, right. So I always lead with lead by conviction. If you are convicted not to carry on just sort of the, you know, because they even have Santa trackers nowadays that you can use if, if you're not from um, NORAD guys. Yes, from NORAD. Yeah. So um, if, if you feel convicted not to do that, I, I always, always lead by conviction, right? The Holy Spirit speaks through us. Um, I would then I would emphasize the tradition of it more is like we do this in, in sort of this tradition of love and giving and that sort. Um, and, and yeah, and, and putting out the, like we were talking about with St. Nicholas's discussions, we've done it with our kids to where, you know, when they were little, we did this, uh, the same thing we've transitioned into understanding who St. Nicholas is. And then it's also helpful to point out too, there's, there's very big differences between Jesus and Santa Claus. You know, I think sometimes the fear is, is they, they seem very similar and no, no, no. Santa Claus is very much workspaced and you're getting, and so it's, he's workspace and the, it's, the bargaining thing is I'm going to ask for some specific thing and then get 
that specific thing. And no, Christ isn't worst face. His grace is for all. And that he doesn't just give us everything that we want, right? Because that would be a disaster. Can you imagine? You know, we'd all be married to uh, to the, the boy that we had a crush on in sixth grade, you know, and we'd all be veterinarians and it would be terrible. <laughs> and uh, and so whereas, whereas God, he, he gives us what we need. He shapes character and that sort. So it's important to point out the differences. If you feel convicted not to do the Santa Claus tradition, that's totally fine. You know, honor that sort of thing. I've known people who they don't do the trees, they don't do decorating, they don't even give presents at Christmas. You know, you have to lead by conviction and point toward truth. Good. Yeah, I would say that our Mama Bear team is varied in the way that we all handle the Santa Claus mm -hmm. issue. Um, my, my kids have never been told about Santa Claus being a real figure. They know he mm. was a historical figure, yeah. um, but we don't give them gifts from Santa. On the other hand, I was raised with gifts from Santa uh, and, um, and that, was, that was fine. Uh, so I really think that just acknowledging that this is not a main thing. Right. The main thing is that Christ was born so mm -hmm. that we live in eternity mm -hmm. with God. That's the main thing. Who is Jesus? That's the main thing. Um, whether or not you choose to share a Santa tradition with your children yeah. is not a main thing. And I think sometimes it creates unnecessary division amongst churchgoers. And um, we are passing judgment on others for doing things that are different from the way that we do them. Um, if it's not a main thing, let it go. There are too mm -hmm. many other things for us to think about in this world than worrying about um, non-main things. Uh, so I just want to encourage you, um, mamas and papas, to, uh, like Amy said, live out your convictions. And if this is something that convicts you, don't do it. Um, yeah. And if it doesn't, have at it. Um, and, and do so with joy um, either way and, and find family traditions that work for your family and your children. Um, and we will talk about some of our family traditions in a few minutes. Um, but I would love to tackle one more controversy before we get there. And yes. that is <laughs> maybe a few years ago, it, I always get the, the length of time wrong. It was probably 20 years ago. I don't know. Um, several years ago, there was um, a controversy regarding um, a certain store not encouraging its employees to say Merry Christmas. Right. Now, that ended up not being fact, okay? They were never told they couldn't say Merry Christmas. But because of uh, the um, rumor that was going around on the internet, mm. um, there was a, a cancellation of this particular store um, over the holidays. And um, so the question becomes, is it okay for Christians just to say happy holidays or do we have to say Merry Christmas? And um, I want to address that because um, as you may know, my specialty is world religion. And so I work with a lot of different types of worldviews uh, and they celebrate different religions. They're uh, different um, holidays, um, especially in this season. Uh, I think Robin explained it great. Like there are different things that happen during mm -hmm. December that don't have anything to do with Christianity. Uh, and so how do we find balance when we are engaging with our neighbors who have different worldviews? Not all of them will celebrate Christmas. We have neighbors who do not celebrate Christmas. Um, and so what happens when they're celebrating Kwanzaa or Hanukkah? Well, saying happy holidays loops everybody in and it's an inclusive phrase. Um, so if, a, if an employee at the store says happy holidays, 
love it. <laughs> Don't be offended by that because they are not making assumptions about who you are or mm. what you might celebrate. Instead, they're saying, happy holidays. I hope this season is great for you. They're wishing you well. Wish them well back. You can respond back with happy holidays. You can say Merry Christmas. Um, however you feel like you want to respond is fine. But don't be offended by this. Um, I think sometimes we're just looking for things to be offended by. Right. And, um, <laughs> I don't know that it's necessary um, because uh, I think happy holidays was born out of this desire um, to show kindness to all, not mm -hmm. to leave a group out. Uh, not to offend Christians or be anti-Christian. Um, but if you have Jewish friends, make sure you reach out to them and, and, encur and encourage them during the Hanukkah season. Uh, if you've got friends who celebrate Kwanzaa, it wouldn't be terrible to say happy Kwanzaa to them. Um, there are so many holidays. Know the people around you and figure out what it is that they celebrate. And, it, and I'm not telling you that you need to change the way your traditions are because you've got friends or family that do things differently, but it is a nice thing to do to recognize, oh, yeah, you, you, do, you do Kwanzaa. Tell me more about that. What, what is Kwanzaa? Um, and that opens the door to having a great conversation with your neighbor. I remember when my daughter was in kindergarten, one of my daughters um, was in kindergarten and she had a little friend who was Jewish and they allowed him to come in and teach them a little bit about Hanukkah. And, and, and they, she came home one day with a little dreidel and she was singing dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. And she was just so excited to, to know this tradition. Did she mm. become Jewish? No, but she became more loving of her friend because mm. she was able to say, hey, what did you get today? And she, and she was able to really connect with him on that level. Um, so I, I say, and this again is, is my own conviction, um, is that um, be inclusive when you can be, um, and, and reach out and build bridges, not barricades. I, yeah. I think opening the doors and saying, oh, I've got Jewish neighbors who aren't going to have Christmas lights or a Christmas tree. Maybe I should bake them some cookies and, 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 and just give it to them and not, and tell them happy Hanukkah. Um, that wouldn't be a terrible thing to do. Mm. No, I love that because it, it it really takes you off that defensive mode because so many, uh, and I've even heard it said, you know, oh, if they're saying happy holidays, that means they're anti-Christmas. No, they're not. And like, why are we trying to fight? You know? So I love that you point that out because it does, it builds bridges and it opens doors for future apologetic engagement too. You get to learn about other people, minister to other people, understand their culture. It really is an opportunity for learning and growth. And I, I love that you pointed that out, Lindsay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so speaking of traditions, we all have, we've been able to chat about it before we've started recording. We've all got some traditions. And Robin, I know that in your family, one of the things that, that you emphasize it is Advent. So tell us a little bit more about maybe what Advent is and, and how your family has started to incorporate that into your Christmas tradition. Yes, so I'm still kind of trying to figure out everything, I, I, you know, everything we want to do. I, I have a two-year-old, so I have, she's just now starting to process things. I have a little bit of time to figure this out. But growing up, when we went to church, they would light the Advent candle every Sunday. And mm. um, when I had gone to church later as an adult, that church hadn't um, put up the Advent candles. And so I had noticed that, and I, was, I missed it. And I liked, what I liked was being able to have that reminder the entire month of December. Well, it sometimes starts a little bit early, as in November this year. But I like being able to have that reminder and to prepare our hearts about the whole reason why Christ came and to kind of to help 
us feel as well that longing and that expectation for him or his when he does arrive so well, I do I did put up an advent wreath uh, we do have a Christmas tree up uh, we love the yeah, with a star on top um, re representing the, the star over Bethlehem I have the advent wreath uh, with the candles and one resource that I love that I found was the advent book you can see here it's kind of it's pretty ornate you can see the star right there there's actually a little gym there and uh it uh has the red ties and so what it is is each day that uh there is a door I, i'm sorry if you if you hear oh it's awesome i love that you hear her she doesn't like being separated especially since she knows i have this book every day there is a door to open and what it goes through is it goes through luke 2 i believe is what it follows and it goes to, goes through the christmas story and each day there is a door you open that tells part of the Christmas story. So this it's very ornate. It's, it's beautiful. It's it so oh, pretty. Here we go. There we go. Uh, we tried wow. to show that. Um, I love it. So I, I, mm. I did just want to caveat this real quick as I was reading that in, in traditional celebrations of Advent, uh, you're starting with the Old Testament prophets and then going through the prophecy and the, the telling of the coming of Christ and ending on the 24th <laughs> with his, uh, with the arrival of Christ. This one, you know, uh, Jesus, the baby Jesus does show up on day seven or eight or something because it's just following the christmas story in luke two so i did want to add that in but we still love it it's it's something that we get to do every day as a reminder um that that the, the, the of the coming what we're celebrating and so mm -hmm. we just love that that's awesome what about you lindsay what are some traditions that you have in the medenwald household yeah so i'm i'm actually sitting you can't see where i'm sitting which is lovely <laughs> My favorite things about Zoom is that nobody can see how my computer is set up, but it's on a bookshelf right now. Shocking. I know, <laughs> like a hundred bookshelves. But one of the things that we started doing when um, my, I guess she's my middle child because we adopted a child uh, four years ago. Uh, my middle child was born is uh, gingerbread houses with my mom. Um, and oh, so funny. she would bring the gingerbread houses um, and I've actually got the boxes. Um, P.S hot tip. They come pre-made now. You can buy them so that you do not have to put the houses together and then you can just enjoy decorating, which is what everybody looks forward to anyway. Um, so buy them pre-made. I think it's like a dollar extra and it's totally worth so it. Worth it. <laughs> but we buy all different kinds of gingerbread houses and um, Right now, we've been Zooming with my parents because we live far away. Um, mm -hmm. And so we will connect actually this Sunday and um, decorate with my fam with my mom. She'll she has her own gingerbread house in uh, South Dakota. And um, we will enjoy that tradition together um, over the computer. But everyone in my family gets one. And um, it's a grand old time of um, swapping candy and um, building extraordinary things together and then eating the candy afterward for like two weeks. Um, so that's one of the traditions we do every year. We do an advent <laughs> calendar too. Um, ours is, ours usually we do the like dollar candy advent ones where they yeah. open a thing and they get a little chocolate out of it. Um, this year I bought um a Lego set one. And it's, it's great. They love it because they get to build a new um, Lego set every day. Um, and, and that's been really fun for them. But yesterday I was asking my girls, like, what are your favorite traditions? And, and my youngest, she's seven. She goes, well, mom, I used to really love our advent calendars, but this year there's no chocolate. 
<laughs> well, girl after my own heart. She's like, where's the chocolate? I spent a substantial more yes. of money on this Lego set one and you want the dollar chocolate. So um, I, I think we've been incorporating more about like, let's settle our hearts and, and talk about what, um, what Christmas is really about. But we do have a very fun way of doing that with our advent calendars and then a cake for Jesus on yeah. the 25th because I think that's a really fun thing uh, to do with kids as well. That's awesome. I, and you know, you're not the first family I've heard that, that makes a cake and they're like, yeah, it's for Jesus, but it's also cake. So bonus. It's what do so you do, Amy? Tell me about your traditions. So it's funny. You mentioned that you didn't do the chocolate ones and you did the Lego ones. We always did the Lego ones. And this year we, we got the chocolate one, <laughs> baby little Yoda. Christmas baby Yoda. <laughs> and my kids are like, well, this is cool, but, um, I kind of miss building Lego. <laughs> Our kids need to switch. Um, so Perhaps yeah, the difference but, between boys and girls there. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So uh, I should have grabbed it. We've got this advent calendar on our wall and um, it's, it's just the cutest thing. It actually, uh, each of the pieces is a little character from the, the story of, of Jesus's birth. So you've got, you've got the wise men you've got here. I'll grab it really sick. Okay. So here it is. It's like, it's totally cute, right? So you've got all the little critters tucked in there and you know, we've had this, we got it when my boys were about your daughter's age, uh, Robin. And you know, they're, they're little stuffed critters. They're soft and and everything. They can't hurt it, which is nice because a lot of Christmas decorations, you're like, don't touch this one, you know, have at it. So, um, and it's great because, you know, my boys are now preteens and they still fight over, you know, who gets to, who gets to put the sheep. So it's, it's great. I'm like, oh, they're fighting over Jesus. Um, so the, we, we've got, we've got that, um, one of our traditions we do, you get to open one present Christmas Eve and it's Christmas pajamas, no matter how much you haggle. We do that too. Yes. So Mike. Yes. My parents do that. My parents did that with us. And um, we always tried to haggle like, no, let's go for the big one. Come on, just one. And they're like, okay, this one. And um, it's always matching Christmas pajamas, uh, you know, so. And then uh, for us, so we go to a big church and they have candlelight service, um, usually a few days leading up to Christmas Eve. So we go on the 23rd to candlelight service. And then we go over to Kroger and get meats and cheeses and that sort of thing. And so Christmas Eve is just spent maybe, uh, maybe going out and getting last minute things, but we watch Christmas movies. And then we have uh, this big platter on our, in our living room that just has the cheeses and meats and fruits and hot chocolate and just fun snacky things so that you're not cooking on Christmas Eve. You're just having, having a good time. And so those are just some of our, our fun traditions. And we all, I don't have them up yet, but, um, if you've seen the movie Elf, um, you know how he puts all the snowflakes. Yes. So we do that. And, uh, it, it started years ago. My, when we were in Germany, um, my husband and I were newly married and he really wanted a white Christmas and it wasn't going to snow. So I happened to see in a magazine, how to make these three-dimensional circular snowflakes. And so the, the weeks leading up to Christmas, I would wait until he went to bed and I would stay up and, and make these snowflakes. So Christmas Eve, uh, night I snuck out and I, and I taped them all to the ceiling. So then when he came out, it was, it was snowing for, for Christmas. And so we just built onto it. So every year we add more snowflakes and our house ends up looking like elf, the, that one scene in elf. So we've got <laughs> garland I mean it's ridiculous so it's just one of these fun things to wear at, at our house there it's always a white Christmas and so it's just kind of this fun thing even in Texas you know we get our white Christmas in Texas yeah. yep that's what you gotta what do what about you gotta books and resources Amy what do you have as far as like maybe books that you share with your kids or books that you recommend to other parents when we're talking about Christmas 
Okay. Yeah. So um, I've got some books here that I absolutely love. So if you're kind of a, a history buff um, like me, you'll love this one. It's called A Child's Christmas by Evelyn Sharp. You have to look for it like on a books or eBay or something. Um, it's just a beautiful book written about how the, how they celebrated Christmas in the Victorian era. So a lot of the things that we talked about with the tradition of the Christmas tree, even Yule log, um, plum pudding, it's just, it's so fun. And it's told by this really sweet, uh, about the sweet family and how they, how they celebrate Christmas. And it's fun just to see how, how they would do things. Um, another great one is there's actually a three book series. This one's a timeless Christmas and they've got, oh gosh. There's a vintage Christmas and a classic Christmas, and it's uh, authors like uh, Louisa May Alcott, Ella Montgomery, all of those old-fashioned, it's all these great Christmas stories. And again, it's just, I, I love the Victorian era at Christmas time, so it's fun to read those. And if you've got little ones, there's two great movies I can recommend that really keep Christ central. And the first one is The Very First Noel. It's so sweet. It's, it's uh, narrated by uh, Andy Griffith. And it's just this, this poem that follows the wise men as they're going to meet baby Jesus. And you get to see everybody from the wise men to the little drummer boy. And, uh, and, and I, I get choked up watching it cause it's, I, I love the Christmas story. And so that's a really sweet one that the kids love. Another great one is called, um, I think it's called a, a very Boz Christmas or Boz Christmas, B-O-Z. And it's a great Christ-centered movie about these, these twins and they have their big bear friend. It's actually from the creators of Barney, um, but not quite so corny. And, uh, and they do all the fun traditions of Christmas, baking cookies, trees. But of course, the most important thing and the biggest gift they give is the, the retelling of the Christmas story. And it's just sweet. And it, it acknowledges the fun traditions that many families have, but it makes sure that Christ is central, which uh, you know I just love. So those are two great movies and a few books that will help your family, especially you got little ones to really bring in the season. And Robin, do you have any books that you've started to read to your kid or it, how, how are you going to do that? Like what books do you think you'll, you'll, you'll share? Well, I guess it's so for the Christmas story, as I said, we have the Advent book. So I love mm -hmm. that one because it can open, open the door each day. I, she loves to read. So I do have one of, one of our favorites. Now this one is not, um, this was not uh, not focused on the Christmas story, but it's just one of our favorites about the Christmas yeah. tree is Mr. Willoughby's Christmas yeah. tree. And what's fun about it is it's it's written in in rhyme, so it's it's verses that rhyme, and so it. Uh, starts out with this one large Christmas tree, but it's just a little bit too tall, so it has to the the top has to be chopped off, and it goes it other animals end up. Uh, taking in the tree and using the tree as their Christmas tree. And then, but it's always just a little bit tall until finally at the end, a little mouse couple finds the tiniest tip of the Christmas tree. And I won't spoil the end for you. So it's a, it's a cute story. It's sweet. Uh, I enjoy the rhyming. And I think what I like about it best is just that um, whether or not they realize that they're all connected by having a, a piece of this same tree. So it's, it's just something fun and sweet. But I think there, the couple others oh. that I enjoy for when she's older, probably there's this series, and I think you might uh, have one of them, Lindsay, is like the legend of the Christmas tree, the legend mm -hmm. of St. Nicholas, the oh. legend of the candy cane. Oh, here's legend yes. of St. Nicholas. Yeah, there's just some beautiful oh, artwork nice. in there. So those are some I'm, I'm thinking about too. I'm going to check them out. That's, that's actually a book I was going to recommend. So um, uh, one of the apologists that I follow on Twitter uh, recommended this book 
as a way to explain St. Nicholas and who he is. And it is beautifully illustrated. Like, look at oh, how that's gorgeous. that is. Yes. Um, so we have started reading this one in, I'm trying to look and see if there's another illustration. We started reading this one to our kids this year. Um, that's not a two-headed camel. That's <laughs> 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 wow. like cut out his legs and it made it look like he was two-headed. Um, not quite, yeah. But it is a beautiful story about who St. Nicholas was and um, where the tradition of gift giving came from. Um, nice. Another one that I stumbled upon uh, this morning, actually, in our library. We have so many books, sometimes I don't even know what we have. Um, this one is Letters from Father Christmas. It's by Tolkien. Um, no and it's got, yeah, it's also beautifully illustrated. Um, let's see if I can find an example of how beautifully So it's actually letters. So um, look, it's got drawings in it. Um, so cool. That, and it, it's, it's beautiful. And, and I, it's just a collection of letters about Christmas and mm. look it's like red and green oh my um, gosh so it's another great book that is um, just really pretty and <laughs> I like pretty books but it's yes. also got really good content in it mm. um, and then finally there's the first Christmas night and if oh. you it's a simple book out of Scholastic um, that uh, talks about what happened on the first Christmas night and even my seven-year-old can read it it's really simple mm. Um, language to understand. And it's also a pretty book. It's got really pretty drawings in it. Um, and I think for kids, that's something that they, that matters to them. They yeah. want to see what, what you're reading to them. And so um, those are a few books. One of the resources that we use, and I, here it is, um, to prepare for this podcast and the Christmas guide was The Case for Christmas by Lee Strobel. Um, you can get this I think it's like three bucks on Amazon. Uh, so it's, it's a, it's a inexpensive pur purchase. Um, and he actually talks about um, why the Bible is reliable and the retelling of um, what happens and not only on Christmas night, but Jesus's life in general. And, and so if you're looking for a simple book with um, the historicity of Jesus Christ, this is a hundred pages that will get you there. Um, and, and so I highly recommend this one. We have multiple copies on our bookshelf um, so that we can just hand them out um, as people as people need them. Um, but again, um, I, I want to thank Robin and Amy for for joining me and I'm joining them. So we're all together talking about Christmas and we want to uh, encourage you all um, during this holiday season to not forget why we're celebrating and who we're celebrating and find ways to put Christ at the center of your celebrations, whatever they may be. Um, one of the ways that we want to help you is this guide, this Christmas guide. Um, it is live on our website. So if you haven't already downloaded it, please go download it. It's a free download and um, it'll contain even more information than what we talked about today. It's got information about the Magi how many were there? Who were they? Who were they? Um, and, and what they brought as gifts. Uh, it's got uh, details about the virgin birth mm. and why it matters that uh, Mary was a virgin. Uh, so there's more details in there. And there's some tips about keeping Christ at the center as well. So if you're looking for practical tips and ways to do that in your family, to start a new tradition, we've got some ideas in that guide. Um, 
but finally, I know that you're watching this, which means you're probably on our YouTube channel. Welcome. <laughs> we do have a YouTube channel and we have started to add more video content and we have reached the threshold of a thousand subscribers. I think we might. How many are we at, Robin? I think we're at like 1600 subscribers right now. Oh, I'm not so we're up there steadily um, and we just keep throwing out content and you all keep engaging with us. So if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, I encourage you to click subscribe below. Um, and if you liked this video, please like it and um, share it with your friends. Um, we would love to be able to create more meaningful YouTube content as well. So if you've got an idea about other things that we can talk about um, on our vlog or on our podcast, please go ahead and share us um, your ideas in the comments. Um, but I think that about wraps up this podcast. Any closing thoughts or are we good? I think we're good. Merry Christmas, y'all. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everyone. Um, we hope that you have a blessed season full of love and peace and joy. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. This has been a Mama Bear Apologetics recording. To learn more about Mama Bear Apologetics, please visit us on the web at www.mamabearapologetics.com. We hope you learned a little more about how to sift through ideas, accept the good, reject the bad, and now you can go teach your kids to do the same. Do you have any questions or maybe some ideas about future podcast episodes? Send us an email to askthemamabears at gmail.com and we'll do our best. Rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. We are all in this together.